Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. We're back. This is the last episode, technically speaking, of season two. You're probably like, wait, there's really another episode? Yeah, yeah, yep. this is it. This is it. This is the final one. We have to close the book on some things that have taken place. A lot of things. A lot of things that have taken place in the last month. It's been a heavy news month. Um, and we did, we've always said that the draft, in my opinion, counts as part of like the finish up of the year. And in this case, we also got a special bonus, which I guess we'll start there. Yeah, of let's do it. Kyle Lowry. Kyle. 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 Um, being a part of the Raptors team that won, uh, that won the NBA championship. Yeah. Um, just a programming note here. We have a few things that we're going to talk about. The whole first segment of this podcast is going to be heart monitor. And then the second segment of the podcast, we're going to talk extensively about the UConn news. I'm very excited about that. So I can't wait to get to that part of the pod. Very, very very excited. excited. Um, But first, we got to talk about our guys first. Uh, So we're going to start with, with Kyle Lowry, who everyone had this comment of him being somewhat of like a choker or a postseason not no show type of guy and i think he dispelled all of that with his performance in the finals especially so the last game of the finals oh yeah he was you are spot on with that it was just unreal how he was able to change the narrative this year it's funny if you're looking back on it we talked a little bit about this earlier where yeah he actually didn't start the playoffs that strong but damn did he finish well it was just all the gritty plays all yeah. of the hustle plays that he's become known for, he finished with. Right. And, like, the one thing that almost became a narrative, after, but he shut it down immediately the following game, was that missed three that he took that hit off the side of the backboard, which was blocked. Oh, yeah, the but Draymond like it, block. It became yeah. a narrative for, like, a hot minute. Yep. And then he buried, like, five threes in what felt like the first three minutes oh of the game. Oh, my God. He was so hot. Yeah. It was Unbelievable. And that totally crushed all of that. So he was the best player in the final game for them, bar none. And then Kawhi still run, won the MVP uh, yeah. award, but Kyle was like a se- like a close second, in my opinion, to that getting that nod. Yeah, he was just absolutely phenomenal to close yeah. that out. I was, oh my God, I was so crushed when Draymond got a finger on that shot at the end of game. Was that game... Five. five. Yeah. In game five. Oh my God. What's crazy is that we both predicted that the Warriors were going to roll them, but the Raptors took the fight to them. And then obviously the Warriors got the injury bug, but even without Durant, yeah. like, I'm sorry, that's a team that won 73 games a few years ago. Yeah. So. I mean, look, yeah, they had the injury bug, but injuries are part of the game. It doesn't take, it should not take away from the Raptors championship. No, not at all. Did. Not at all. And it was, I was just so pumped to see how happy Kyle was yeah. it was like you could tell just how much it meant to him and he's got his kids there with him like everybody's crying it was just oh so many yeah, good moments it was awesome and it's cool it's cool I mean selfishly right not to make it about me or us but like <laughs> uh, but to make it, it but, about but, us but it, it is our podcast so it's about us yeah yeah right 
it is cool. We now have an NBA ch- champion. Yeah. Um, as a recent alum of the school. So, yeah, shouts to Kyle. Congratulations. Um, congratulations to all of us. Yes. Even and when we don't win a championship, we kind of win a championship. I mean, it, it's, it's nice to see, too, because he's, he's been one of the most vocal guys when Villanova's won championships. He's always rocking the Nova gear, always pushing the narrative. So it was an awesome payback. And it him. was really cool to see our guys both on Instagram and on yes. Twitter shout him out. Everybody. And like everyone's yeah. like, oh, my Villanova brother, this, that, and the other thing. It's Love like, to see that. It was great. It was great. So, awesome Sports Illustrated cover. Yeah. If you, like, dude just looks so happy. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. But I think that's enough there. Yeah, we'll uh, see. One final note on that. We'll see what happens if they have a chance to run it back, all dependent on what Kawhi does. Yeah. NBA free agency kicked off yesterday. Yeah. Which it, is a good segue. And it's, a, it, lot, a lot depends. A lot on has happened. A lot has happened. And, yeah, so we're going to segue next into Josh Hart who is no yes. longer on the Los Angeles Lakers womp, womp. as the Lakers, well, who might get Technically, Kawhi. he's still on the Lakers. Technically speaking. Yes. But for all intents and purposes, he's, he's a Pelican. on the Lakers, yeah. Pelican, for now. He's rocking Pelican's gear on for now. the IG for now. Yeah, yeah. For now. We'll see. I think he's I think he's kind of I think he's going to stay there. Yeah. Um, and the Pelicans have a good team. Like, that's an immediately relevant team. Like, even forgetting Zion, which is obviously the key piece. <laughs> forgetting Zion. It's like, forget about LeBron. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, okay, but, forgetting Zion. But they, that's a team that's, like, yeah, they got J.J. Redick last yeah. night. They had a good draft overall. Like, this is a, this is a team that is going to make some noise for the years to come. And I think one of, my, one of the things I was sad about was – Hart leaving the Lakers because you know LeBron's going to be on TV all the time and with Ant- Anthony Davis there now and and potentially Kawhi, <laughs> yeah, um, like that's a team that's always going to be on television. Well, now they're closer to the East Coast. I think New Orleans is Central Time Zone. I'll take but, a word for but it. But whatever, they're now going to be on the earlier slot. You'll get to see Josh Hart, yeah, much more. And he's still going to be. It's still like not like a full on roster, like that's got like stars one through five. So. Josh is going to get playing time on this roster. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean they've got they've got now essentially their young core that they more or less brought over from the Lakers, plus Zion, plus Redick, and I mean they still Drew Holiday's was an All Star point guard as well too. So they've got a lot of a lot of young guys there, but not a wealth of talent. So yeah, right. It's a it, this team is a playoff or should be a playoff team. Ooh. There's still ways from that. I mean, that's, you got to figure out chemistry. I would not go so far as to say they're a playoff team. Yeah, the West is going to be a little bit more open next year, certainly with the Warriors. But, I mean, these are a lot of young kids out there. And point of reference, look at what happened to the Lakers when LeBron went down. Because you've got a lot of those same players now on, now on the Pelicans. So I wouldn't go so far as to pencil them into the playoffs. But they should make a little bit of noise. I think they'll make noise and maybe not a playoff team this year, but I think that this is be a, this is a team is going to be a factor in the West yeah. for years to come. It should be fun at least to watch, hopefully watch Josh grow with those guys and could be a home for another few years. Right. I think, and I think it's going to be a good set. I think it's a good setup for him. He seems to have embraced it already. Um, if, oh, quick plug. Josh recently started a podcast called, was it Lighthearted? Lighthearted podcast. Yep. It's pretty good. Would definitely check it out. We'd highly recommend it if you're looking for We recommend all Villanova podcasts. For sure. Not just ours. Yes. But if you have to choose one, 
Choose ours. Choose ours. Yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> I think we have the best podcast. <laughs> yes. And it's purely because I'm a homer. Well, yeah, you got to be. Right. If you don't believe in your own podcast, who's right. going to? It's, it's similar to... <laughs> <laughs> it's similar to how like every time I talk about a Villanova NBA guy I'm like oh yeah he's gonna be good he's <laughs> yeah. gonna be good there yeah, obviously yeah why wouldn't someone draft I don't know Phil Booth <laughs> great question yeah bad news yeah <laughs> so the last piece of our heart monitor segment um, on this fast moving piece is about Eric and Phil uh, Eric got drafted Phil did not but Phil got immediately picked up and you could tell that that means that you could tell by when you get picked up. Yeah. That means that you're high on people's lists. Sure. Um, so let's start with Phil, and then let's get into Eric. Yeah. So Phil did not get drafted, as I said, was picked up right away within like 12 hours, basically, of the draft getting finished um, by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. And just to be clear, um, he signed a summer league contract. Summer league, right. So like, it's not like he's guaranteed a spot on the team by any means. He's got a fight and scratch his way to have a chance he's at guaranteed the team. now an extended tryout exactly it's to, a good way to put it to yeah. try and make the team i think that's as much as you can ask for in phil booth's circumstance yeah and i mean look the Cavs are not a good team no so given that you think okay fine if you're gonna i mean the benefit like we were talking about before is that if you're not drafted you do have a bit of ability to make a choice of where you want to play, right? Of the teams that are out there that might be interested, maybe you can choose between two or three instead of just having to go wherever you get drafted. So hopefully Phil had that choice and, you know, probably thought into it a little bit. But, like, hey, the Cavs kind of suck, so maybe you've got a better shot. I, I think Phil is one of those guys where if he can get into the league, he could break in. Like, he's never going to be anything more than a bench role player. And, yeah. by the way, that's really good. Yeah. Right? Like, this is still the NBA. Bench sure. role players get paid a shit ton of money. Yeah, good God. Yeah, right? watching free agency has been terribly yeah, it's been, sad. It's been oh wild. God. It's been wild. So, if you think about it, like, if Phil can just break into the league, he's got good habits. He's got a pro mentality. He's mature, etc. His I, hairline is very mature, too. Hairline, like great. It's, yeah, it's, going, it's going back yeah, very it's quickly. it's falling away quickly. <laughs> yeah. And, and Phil is athletic. Like, it's an underrated element of his game is that he is a pretty athletic guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, so we, we want to see him do well. We it's, a long, it's a long it's shot, a long to be shot. It's a long shot. But you can't ask for anything more than a chance. Yep. And Phil's got a chance. Absolutely. And if he has a good summer, he might find his way onto a roster, maybe in the same way Archie Diacono did with a two-way contract. Yeah. And... Look, look, after that, sometimes a guy like Arch, like yeah. I think he's he's now signed a full... I was going to say he just got a qualifying offer from the Bulls. So, yeah. yeah, I think the intention is to ideally bring him back. Yeah, so that's all you can ask for. And I think if Phil is able to find himself in a similar position to Ryan, I think he will stick. Totally. And that's, I think, Arch is... We don't need to go into Arch too much, but it's a... It's an interesting view of, hey, sometimes it takes a few years and you got to be willing to kind of grind it out. Really tough to do, as we talked about with all the bed bugs. But, <laughs> you know, if you deal with the bed bugs for a few years, sometimes that payday comes around. It does. Board man gets paid. That's as right. They say. That's right. As they say. So that's um, Phil. That's Phil. And then let's touch on Eric. Um, Eric was drafted number 43. Eric, mini, mini Draymond. Yeah, to the Warriors. Yes. And... That was super exciting news. I think a lot of Villanova fans... He was number four, drafted 41. 41, sorry. 
a lot of Villanova fans felt that Eric probably could have gotten drafted late first round, early second. And so he fell a little bit out of that early second category, not by much. Yeah. Uh, but there was a lot of people saying, I think the Warriors had like the 32nd pick or something. They had something early they in had, the second they round. Had, they had the 28th pick, actually. Or they traded up to whatever it was. Yeah. They ended up with the 28th pick, and they picked Jordan Poole from Michigan, who was not projected to be a first-round pick. Eric was definitely graded ahead of him, so that one annoyed me. Yeah. I was like, he could have been the first-round pick. But he wound up on that team regardless. People were thinking that it might have been Eric, like, yeah. et cetera. And then the Warriors came around and ended up getting Eric, which we later found out was one of their guys who was high on their list, and they were actually surprised that he fell to 41, and they were happy to grab him. Look, Eric's going to get a full-on shot now. Um, with with the Warriors, I think it's a really good fit for him. He shoots the three ball well. That's obviously a high priority. With Durant now gone, um, that was the big news from last night. Durant's in Brooklyn. Yeah. With Durant now gone, I think Pascal gets penciled in to take his spot. <laughs> yeah, is right. the plan. He's gonna be. That's our replacement guy. <laughs> yeah. For Kevin Durant. They saw the future. Said Durant's gone. Pascal's taking his spot. Right. One one for one substitution. One for one. Um, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though no, the. Pascal will be a really nice fit on that team. He works his ass off. He's a pro. He's got a team-first mentality. We've long talked about how the Villanova way of playing, the Villanova brand of basketball, fits well with a couple of pro teams as well, the Warriors being one of them. I think the Spurs comes up quite a bit in that conversation. So Eric's going to, I think, gel well with them very quickly. And it's a little bit of a depleted roster, because Clay is not going to play for most of next year. Yep. And even though he's on a max now, and there's openings yeah. to rank on, etc. So and and Iguodala just got traded. Yeah. So true. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. So, so you now have a circumstance in Golden State where there may be playing time available. And, and thinking a little bit farther ahead than just next year, obviously, people joke about him being a mini Draymond, but. They joke about it for a reason because of similarities in size and, well, Eric's probably a better three-point shooter than Draymond, but idea that he could play a similar type of role that Draymond can. The fact is Draymond's contract is coming up soon and he's going to probably try to command a max deal, which who knows if the Warriors would try to pay that. They'd be probably crazy over the luxury tax at that point. We don't need to get into that. But you start to think, like, hey, does Eric get groomed for a year or two? And maybe he grows, like, his skill set expands a lot, and he starts to take over whatever that role is if Draymond goes elsewhere. Long shot, I know, given that it's, like, a year or two years away. But you can kind of hope, like, maybe he's able to slot in there and becomes more of a regular part of that rotation. Anyway, that's like a pipe dream, so right. fingers but crossed. who better to learn from? For Eric, as I don't love Draymond Green, but who better to learn yeah. from the Eric than a guy who has a similar game? Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> and, and a guy who's been widely recognized across the league as an all-star, as, as an all-defensive player. Like, love him or hate him, Draymond Green contributes a lot to that team. Right. Correct. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. So that wraps up our season um, for, for our guys. That's it. It's over. The guys who transferred out have now moved on. The, the guys who have graduated have now found their homes, um, at least temporarily, and we'll obviously keep everyone posted as things go on, um, and we'll talk about it at length uh, when that time comes. Yeah. Um, but from now on, in terms of Villanova basketball, 
the podcast is going to focus on the future as we go into season three of our esteemed podcast. JRE, baby. <coughs> That's right. He is cleaning. We don't need to go into detail, but he is cleaning up on Team USA right now. Hell yeah. Eight yeah. for eight last He's game. doing good. Woo! He's doing real good, and people are talking about it. You know what they call him? Jeremiah Money Robinson Earl. <laughs> It's not good. It's not, it's not it's great. Not it's, not it's not a good nickname. Uh, but even like John Rothstein was like tweeting out his stats and he was like, remember this name. Yeah. Like this kid is going to be something. His Instagram handle is just at Jeremiah. Which is sick. Yeah, you probably had to pay for that one. I'm sure somebody had Jeremiah. <laughs> <laughs> Hot take. Unless he was like the first person. <laughs> early no adopter. There's no way. Um, all right. So... What do you think we should do here? Should we take a quick break, or do we just jump right into UConn? Uh, we can take a quick break for a moment from our, for a, a word from our sponsor. A word from our sponsor, Nova Insider. Yes. See you in a minute. Hello, everyone. It's Chris from the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. Season's over, but Nova Insider and the Full 40 continue on nevertheless. Check out Nova Insider on either their Instagram page or their Twitter page, Link in the bio. You can sign up to help out for a good cause, a very charitable organization. You can also check out their store, which is a great, some great Nova Insider gear. And you can also check out past episodes of the Full 40 and additional other content. So again, check out the Instagram or Twitter bio page for the link to the website. You can't go wrong with Nova Insider. Thanks, and as always, let's go Nova. All right, everyone, welcome back. Second half of the last episode of Season 2 for the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. I teased this in the first part of the podcast. Now I'm bringing it back. You are I such a tease. I am super excited that the Big East, this has been the biggest news in college basketball, in my opinion, for the last two weeks, is that the sure, Big East sure. now has UConn coming into the fold little bit of just logistics here. It's not going to happen this season. It's going to start at the earliest, they said. So they got some things to work out with their current conference, which is the American Athletic. They have some things to work out there. So it's going to likely start the 2020-2021 season. But obviously, we should keep our eye on UConn as they progress this year to see what we're getting uh, coming in to that following Ho- year. Hopefully better than whatever they did last year. Yeah, hopefully better <laughs> than what they've been the last couple of years. And the good news is that we get to play them one more time. So we have a three-year deal. Um, That's true, yeah. And, and we've is played... Is this the third year? This, we're coming up on the third okay. year of the deal. So we played them two years ago in our national championship season, uh, and we beat them handily at their place. Um, then we played last year at MSG. We beat the them, JQ game. The JQ game. Also the Joe Cremo game. Tale of players who are no longer with us. Joe did not get drafted. Joe did not get drafted. Surprisingly. Yeah. And then we play them this year, I think, at Wells Fargo. Cool. Uh, so Big Wells Fargo year. We've got Kansas, too. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's nice. Ooh. It's nice. <laughs> excited. And I expect that in the future years that UConn will take on one of those spots as the as the oh, Wells yeah. Fargo they're game. They're probably going to be one of those annoying games where their fans actually travel. Oh, and 100%. It's going to be back to like old Big East where like, there's a huge section. I remember there used to be like huge sections of Syracuse fans, and they'd be so loud. Oh, God. You yeah. don't have that as much now because the fans just don't travel as much. The schools aren't as big. But like 
Yeah, we'll get some of that back. It'll oh, be, we're definitely going to get that it'll back. It'll be fun, but it'll be annoying as shit, Yeah, too. yeah, correct, correct. Yeah. But I like that. I look for that type of annoying. Yeah. So, UConn, in my mind, there are a million reasons why this is a great move for UConn. I want to talk about why this is a great move. And in my mind, the perfect, perfect, realistic move for the Big East to add UConn and only UConn. And in my opinion... Expansion stops now. No 12 wow. school. That's bold. Nothing else. This is it. This is the 11 schools for the future. Okay, let's hear. Let's hear the reason why. Because that's that's a pretty bold proclamation of like, that's it for the near future. Like you're limiting yourself. I don't know. What you got? Well, so let's start. Let's start with the number of schools. One, the double round robin is proven to be an awesome asset to the Big East because it creates rivalries very quickly. You play twice a year, and then you get a third round with every other team in the Big East tournament. So that makes the tournament itself more exciting. And I think the, the home-and-home double-round robin is huge for building rivalries in schools because you get a lot of experience very quickly with each school. And what we're going to do, I think what they announced already is, yeah, they're going to keep that structure. They're going to keep so that. So that means we just get, what, two less out-of-conference games? Two less out-of-conference okay. games. It might end up working to be only one less because I'm sure the basketball season is going to expand regardless. Yeah. But that's oh, down the line. Oh, they want to make more money? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Twist that's our down, arm. That's down the line regardless. But it's now going to move, Val Ackerman said this in her opening presser, uh, to a 20-game Double round robin conference. So every team will play every other team twice still. And the UConn edition doesn't interrupt that. It would interrupt it if we added a 12th school. Mm. And I don't believe that there is another good option, good option, to add as a 12th school. If the, if you were, if there was someone additive, yeah. I could be interested in a 12th school. Who would be... Who would you qualify as additive so, at this point? So, well, let's take a step back because I said I made the claim that UConn is the perfect realistic fit. So, in my opinion, it would have to be even more perfect. And I just don't think that that would be <laughs> I don't more, think that's realistic. They're more perfect. Yeah. So, so let's just let's just rewind there. I want to go down. There's been like the Big East has been talking about expansion, not really very formally, but like fans in the conference area and message boards, etc. There's been a lot of conversation as to who you add as a, as a as an eleventh school. I think that the conversation as what's the perfect, perfect, most perfect add begins and ends with Notre Dame. Yeah, but you have to add realistic into this segment. Notre Dame is perfect, obviously, from a like-minded institution private institution, Catholic institution, although I don't pay much credence into the Catholic part, but they care about their basketball program and their football program is is important to them, but they're very comfortable being an independent institution on the football front. I think they prefer to be an independent They prefer that, right. They get the money. They get the money. They have an NBC deal with their football team, etc. It still shocks me that they do. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Notre Dame is perfect because of all of those reasons. They also fit technically in our geographic footprint. They are the most perfect. Most perfect. Yes. Right. <laughs> After that, it's UConn. Because, because you could argue like, okay, Syracuse, Boston College, blah, 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 whatever, Pitt. None of those schools are realistic and none of those schools make sense. Because this is a – you have to have a school that is willing to deprioritize football or be willing to go independent. None of those other schools are willing to do that. Well, yeah, because what you're getting at is anybody who's leaving the ACC, Notre Dame included – is giving up money because Correct. they make a shit ton of money from more. the ACC deal. In a, in a more competitive and a, and a better conference that pays a shit ton more money that's 
the, the, the kingpin of ESPN's programming and ESPN's preferable to Fox. Sorry. Yeah. The, that's their kingpin network, the ACC. Yeah. And, right. and Pitt and, and a couple of schools you listed, Pitt, BC, like, haven't really been relevant for a while. They haven't done well with the transition. There's not like a big reason you'd pick them up at this point. No, there isn't a big reason. The only, so the really only other school that leaves is Syracuse, and Syracuse has absolutely no reason to to join because out of all those schools, those have been the most successful in their transition from the Big East to the ACC. True. So basically, nobody in the ACC right. makes sense. Right. No one in the ACC makes sense. So then you start digging and grasping for straws here. Yeah. You get to Gonzaga, which has been a top great basketball fit. Great basketball fit. Again, like-minded institution. Nowhere near a geographic footprint match. Yeah. And that's the biggest issue with them yep. by a margin. And, like, a lot of people have been talking about, like, we'll get into this a little bit later. A lot of people have been talking about, like, oh, UConn, are they a coach or a program? I can tell you definitively Gonzaga's a coach, not a program. Yeah. Like, Mark Few has been everything about that school. Yeah. Yes, I understand their big first run was before was not Mark few, yeah. was not was not few but I'm sorry Mark few has been all that school yes. and that school is in an awful conference yeah terrible so so that's that's that for Gonzaga I just don't see that as being a fit the other schools that I've heard mentioned are like a 10 type institutions. yeah so then you get into like a, a rung of like this is a smaller school a little bit less competitive yeah but like maybe, maybe like-minded yeah. Right, like Temple's got a football program which they seem keen and interest and investing in. I know that they're in the AAC too, but yeah. like, but like that's another school that people have been talking about. You had nothing from a geographic footprint basis. Yeah, you get more Philly by bringing in Temple. Yeah, but like who cares? But like who cares? Um, and then likewise, you get St. Joe's has been talked about, and then St. Louis has been the other one that's been talked about. But I don't really understand what St. Louis brings to the table. None of these programs than, have good basketball histories. Like, they've right. got, like, okay basketball histories. Right, right. And then VCU is the other school I've ever heard mentioned. Yeah. And I just don't think that's a good fit because that's another team that was kind of built on their coach of Shaka Smart. And, yeah, they make the tournament more often than they don't. But you're not adding a great program to the mix. Yeah, it's like, oh, you've been relevant for, like, the past 10 years. Right. And, like, in the word is, like, relevant, question mark? Like, not notable. Right. So, again, so then you're getting back to my, my comment is to who are you even adding as a 12 school? And this is why UConn was the best possible fit for the 11th school to add. So the question is, in my mind then, so I, I think I'm broadly with you. The, the holes I've heard poked are, Look, they're not. They haven't been that good since Calhoun left. Like, are they right. still the same school? Right. Are they like the argument is that Kevin Ollie won with Calhoun's players, yeah. and that was left over, and it was a magical fluky type sure. run. I get that argument. That's that's a fair that, and so and so I'm willing to say Kevin Ollie was not really like I don't consider him a real national championship yeah. winning coach. Sorry, like he had to do it. So kudos to that. But he wasn't a good coach. He sure. proved that he was not a good coach. Yep. I think Calhoun was around long enough to turn UConn into a program. That's years on years on years of fan engagement, fan investment, etc. I don't think having a bad few years as a team and as a program makes it all of a sudden like a bad program or a program that can't be what it once was, etc. Kentucky had a f- several years in there. Yeah. In between like Tubby Smith was not really as good. Like and in between, like those years 
where you got to before you got to Calipari, yeah. where they were not all that good. Yeah, they had those two years by that guy. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he was like drunk all the Billy time. Billy Gillespie. Billy Gillespie, that yeah. guy. Like they had all these, they had these bad coaches, and then finally they bit the bullet and hired Calipari, and yeah. it paid off for them. So like, UConn has in Danny Hurley an up and coming coach who has gotten recruits. By the way, like UConn has recruited. Yeah, and they've complained about the AAC being a bad place for them to recruit, which makes a lot of sense because if you look at like the amount of travel, like UConn has to travel half as much in terms of miles in the, Big East, the Big East yeah. than they were in the AAC. Like thinking about the travel schedule, like and just thinking about being like an 18 year old college kid, like oh you want to spend like half your week on planes? No fucking thank you. And yet they've still <laughs> been able to pull in pretty good recruiting classes, although they haven't done as much with it because Ollie's been, as we said. Not a great coach. Yeah, not all his fault. They had some bad injuries, too. But, yes, point being, they've been recruiting well. Yeah. Hurley, on the other hand, done a nice job, gotten teams previously. Like, Rhode Island built that program up, got that team into the tournament. And this is URI that's not as much of any stature sure. of, of a program before Danny Hurley, like, at least in the recent past. And so now you're taking UConn, which all, with all of its history, moving it back to the Big East— in a much better fit, and then adding Danny Hurley's up-and-coming coach, exciting coach, etc., who's got, in the AAC next year, he's got a top 20, top 25 recruiting class coming in next year. Yeah. So this is a guy who's now added a couple good recruiting classes in a row, and now is going to move to a program, now his program's moving to a place that's much better geographic fit, that always farmed New York, New Jersey type guys. Yeah. And Hurley is a New York, New Jersey guy, too. Right. Right. Bringing it all back home. Right. And he's fucking crazy, too. Yeah. Excited to see him on the sidelines. Right. He's, in, he's good in the sidelines. Like, he's, he's, like, very active. He is going to be a really good personality fit as a coach in the Big East. And if you looked at his interview that came after the announcement last week, like, he was jazzed up. He's like, oh, man, like, I'm going to be thinking about this over the summer. Of like, when I'm having is. burgers and beers. Like, like I am going to, like, I am jacked up for this. Like, that being said, like you know, he's got to play the coach speak thing. Like we gotta we gotta worry about the AIC next year, but he's like, man, I'm super excited to to be in the Big East. This feels like home. This feels like everything. It's pretty crazy. If you're a player on that team, um, you've got to thinking like, oh wow, I hit the lottery. Like we're going back to the Big East. Like get to play back at MSG for the Big East tournaments, real basketball conference again. Versus like. I was listening to, to Josh's podcast the other day. He was talking about when he committed as a senior and he watched the Big East fall apart coming into Villanova. So, like, those guys at UConn who committed, they get the opposite of that. Look yeah. at that. Like, yeah. perfect timing. Yeah, and for Harley, too. Harley's probably like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, hell yeah. It's huge. And you mentioned a good point. I want to talk about that. The Big East tournament. Mm. I want to talk about the Big East tournament, and then I want to talk about that and parlay that into viewership across the tournament and the, the conference play itself. The tournament's going to be a UConn home The game tournament is already, right? Like, the tournament is already the premier tournament in college basketball. This is the best conference tournament right now. Right this second, it's the best conference tournament. And that's a product of the fans, but the Big East tournament for the last couple of years has had the highest attendance. They sold out every session last year other than the, um, the first one. It has the highest resale value, even better than the ACC, which was down the road at the Barclays Center. Yeah, um, you could argue that the ACC isn't playing as geographic home fit, whatever. That's their choice. That's their choice. Yeah, right. 
this has been, and it's been nationally televised, as we know, because of the relationship with Fox. Yep. Um, it's got Gus We're and big Raff. Fox fans. Yeah. It's got Terrible. Gus and Raff. Terrible. It's got, the, the atmosphere in the arena is second to none. And now you're taking all of that and you're adding in probably the school that was top three in the old Big East, maybe top two or three, of bringing fans to the arena. Oh, yeah. Right? Sure. Because it was basically Cuse and UConn. Crazy. We're bringing in yeah. so much money and people to the Big East tournament area. And now you're bringing all of that. And they're coming into the Big East tournament. Now, the product on the court has to deliver, too, for the that to be sustained. The product on the court has to deliver for that to be sustained, no question. But just adding what they are right now, there's still going to be that many more fans who are going to get engaged yeah, and into sure. it into the Big East tournament. So now you're going to get – you're not going to get all sellouts because that morning opening session is still going to be garbage. Because DePaul's got to play something. But you're adding a third game, so there's probably going to be a doubleheader at night mm. now. I think that's how it's going to work. I forget. Ooh, I but, yeah. Uh, yeah, because right now you have the top six get buys, and now it's going to be the top five will get buys now, mm. which means that the second half of the bracket's the night bracket. And so, yeah, so it's going to be, it's going to have a two in the evening session on Wednesday night. So that is going to, they're going to sell out every other game because of, simply because of UConn. Because yeah. even if it's in the morning or the, the afternoon session on Thursday, they're going to get a ton of fans into that arena. Yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. I'm yeah. excited for it. It's going to be, man, it'll be, hopefully UConn gets their act together. And I would, God, could you imagine like a UConn-Villanova final? Oh, man. So, oh, Any so Villanova-UConn game is going to be crazy oh. because in the new Big East format, the Villanova fans have been the best attending fans. Seton Hall has been right there. Providence fans have actually been really good about attending. All the Northeast schools, as you would expect, than that. And then certain of the other Midwest schools have sprinkled in fans here and there. So I think it's going to be it, – it's, it's a huge add for the conference tournament alone. Should we talk viewership? So we're gonna, so I'm going to parlay that now into viewership. So UConn is – we were actually looking at the stats. And what I was looking at was undergraduate population just to get a sense because I, I would think that graduate programs, yeah, you'll probably pick up some fans from graduate programs, but – Undergrad programs is where you really develop the fandom, so to speak. Sure. The two closest schools in terms of UConn's undergrad population, which UConn's undergrad population is between 19 and 20,000 students. So again, this is a big state university that we're adding here. The two closest schools are DePaul and St. John's. Now you're going to say, well, DePaul adds nothing, but DePaul sucks and has St. John's kind of adds nothing. And St. John's. (laughs) In St. John's, the reason why they have such a big undergrad population is that they're still kind of on a half commuter model. Mm. So this is not a like yeah they St. John's picks up fans from around the area yeah. a little bit, but they're all fair weather, and and it's not like a huge thing like it is on like a campus like secluded in the in in stores Connecticut. Basically, what you're getting at is that you're adding a large school, what will now be the biggest Big East school. Yeah. That has a high concentration of basketball fans. Has a huge so, concentration in essence, of basketball. Dwarfs all of the other basketball fans in the Big East. This is essentially what you're trying to say. Exactly. Like if I compare it to a Villanova, which is like 6,500 <laughs> undergrads. Yeah. Right. You're lucky if you get the Wells Fargo Center full. Yeah. That and to do that requires 3,000 fans. So not even half the 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 student body is going to a game. Right. So you're graduating every year into the alumni base like uh, 
like you have 50, you're graduating 1500 people or if you're graduating a thousand fans maybe a thousand fans you're, yeah. you're lucky yeah right so versus like a Connecticut which is going to graduate we have to graduate 20,000 undergrads it's not half let's call it a quarter 5,000 fans a year well then no, they'd graduate 5,000 fans in each oh, year so they graduate you know you're at least graduating probably 15 1600 no no, 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 no. you're graduating 5,000 people a year yeah so 40 or 50 percent of them you talk about 2,000, 2,500 fans. Right. Yeah. Right. So double. Yeah. Double. And not to mention big state U's get fans that aren't going to the school. Yeah. Right. So they have non-alum parents, relatives, people who just live in Connecticut who follow and play along and, and like UConn basketball. Yeah. Plus all those kids who watch Kemba Walker, Shabazz, sure. Sure. like the teams, that the, the, the successful teams in the 2000s, yeah. the teams that sold the laptops, like who liked those <laughs> guys, convict. who grew up watching those guys who are now fans of UConn who will watch their UConn games. Yeah. Right? So you're bringing in all of that to the fan base. My argument is that is that you're probably like significantly increasing Fox Sports One Big East Conference game viewership? Not only when Connecticut plays, because I know like you and I, like I mean we're diehards, but even randos will just watch Fox Sports One, like to pick up a Big East game now and then because that's what's on TV. You sure. might pick up the game after us. Yeah, you yeah. might pick up the game before us. Now you're bringing the UConn fans into that, which yeah. is a huge glut of fan base. Yeah. They probably got a million fans. So, point being, I think the takeaway is we like the move. Yeah, it's huge for the conference. It's huge for us. It's huge for the team, um, for, for their team. It's, and I think it's going to be good because it's going to add a lot of competitiveness to, to the Big East Conference. And the last point I'll make is we don't need them to be what they were. We don't need them to be national championship it's good. a good point, yeah. I am not expecting them to be national championship good. I am expecting them to become like a top 25, top 30 program under sure. Hurley, that's good enough. That's better than the average school that we have right now. So if they become a perennial tournament maker, occasionally dipping into the top 10, if yeah. they get like the right mix of players and whatever, like this is going to be hugely additive and they're going to end up being a top two, three school in the Big East going forward. It's a good perspective to have. We don't need them to replicate Jim Calhoun's success. No, if they got that, awesome. Terrific. Yeah. Don't need it though. Don't need it. Yeah. Um, Just need somebody to do a little bit more than Georgetown. Right. Correct. A lot more than Georgetown. (laughs) A lot more than what Georgetown's done. Oh, which, oh, by the way, they're rounding the corner, too. So We'll see about that. Yeah. I think that they're going to get there. Yeah. And finally, the uh, the last point I'll make, which I should have probably put up a lot higher, is the women's team. Mm. Right? This is one of five nationally relevant women basketball brands. Yeah. And you're bringing Gino Auriemma and all of that success, like the premier program in women's college basketball, and you're bringing that now to the Big East. And you guarantee that they're going to be broadcasting these women's games nationally on FS1, etc. Yeah, way more exposure for our team, potentially. Right. So that's everything you get with UConn. I just don't see how you could have gotten a, a better fit. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So we still got another year before that actually takes effect, but it'll be an exciting year. Hopefully they start to step it up and we can welcome them on board. Yeah. So a couple of programming notes Sure. Um, before we wrap up here. So again, as we said, this is the end of season two. Season three will start. We have some ideas for the summer. We're working on some things. So we'll stay tuned on Instagram and on Twitter 
when we finalize some of these plans that we're working on, we got some things that we're doing, we don't feel comfortable saying it quite yet, but once we get that locked down, yep. we're pretty excited for what we have going on. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed if it works out. So just check us out. We'll be coming to you at least once or twice over the yeah. summer before we get into the full swing. And then obviously Hoops Mania or the lead up to Hoops Mania starts our official full go into the season. It'll be here soon. It's coming It's coming real fast. Basically into July. We are in July, right? Yeah, Tomorrow? we're in July, the Saturday of the summer. Shit, today's July. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So thanks, everyone, for checking it out. Much appreciated. Hope you were able to enjoy this podcast and have some time off over this holiday weekend. God bless America. Thanks for listening. Um, And as always, let's let's go go Nova. Nova.